Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Underneath the Glasgow lights, the narrow streets are blue and white. They lead me to a place where I belong. And walking there, I hear a sound of all the people loud and proud. Their voices come together in a song. No matter what may come, we'll always follow on. We'll always follow on. We've had our darkest days, now it's our time again. The writing's on the You hear the call of history You gave us something to believe We follow you, so make us dream Now make us dream Hello there, I'm Martin Ramsey and welcome to Tactics Talk The Road to Seville How on earth? Are Rangers in a Europa League final? We've all been thinking that question, trying to get used to the fact. Well, hopefully over the next half an hour, I've got two people who will explain just how Rangers managed to get all the way to this final. I'm joined by Adam Thornton, as always. How are we, Adam? I am very well, Martin. I'm four hours from departure, as we record, so I am buzzing, to say the least. Yes, yes, yes. Very, very nice. I'm not going till tomorrow. Uh, Josh... Barry from the Rangers Review, our colleague, is already in, in Seville and my jealousy knows no bounds. How are we, Joshua? I'm loving it, Martin. I'm sitting on my rooftop. Um, I've already texted my wife to say we should move here and um, it's fantastic. I, whenever I come away from Scotland, I think the last three times I've texted Adam to say, Adam, why do we live in Scotland? It is so nice out here. And um, that's not ended with this trip. So as you can tell, I'm very excited. Yeah, I, I see a future of you, the, the, the kind of new James Richardson just sitting in various European cities, um, <laughs> yeah. eating and drinking. Um, 
wouldn't mind that. Yeah, well, there's, 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 there are worse lives. Right, Adam, before we, we, we're really going to talk about the knockout um, run um, that, that we've had to get to this final. As a starting point, and you are the expert on this, um, what was our general European approach under Steven Gerrard? Because even though domestic success took a while to arrive for him, the, the, the European um, statement, the, 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 the uh, complete uh, renovation of, of reputation in Europe started pretty much immediately under Gerard. It was it was a, a, an instant hit. Um, those three and a bit years, I guess, with, with three seasons and um, a handful of games in, in, in this season, what was that tactical blueprint in Europe? Uh, I guess if you want to distill it down into a, a phrase, it was staying in the game, really. It was... Um, we're not going to go and, and, and go over all ground, but hard to beat, solid, compact, defensive shape, able to press well uh, in key moments um, and get the ball into areas where your key players can can take their chances. I think that's that's how I would sum it up. We very rarely, we didn't get a doing in Europe uh, at all. I think we only lost by two goals uh, on maybe three or four occasions in, in 50-odd games. He, he kept us in the games um, and we were able to give ourselves that opportunity to then go and, and progress uh, as we did. We always talk about players over formations on here. It is tactics talk. We are obsessed with formations and, and shape uh, and tactics, but as we say, where, where the players stand on the pitch can sometimes be a little bit overplayed. It's about what the players actually do uh, in the key moments. Um, that being said, uh, as we've seen, there are obvious examples Um a good tactical system can keep you in a game and allow your players to to take advantage of that. So for me, I think that's what summed up Steven Gerrard in Europe. Um, it was keeping us competitive and allowing us the opportunity to go and potentially win games. Yeah, uh, and it was uh, well-received, shall we say. Um, I've, I've spoken about this before, but I, I was in Villarreal for that first group stage game, a group stage that we had no business being in. I don't think many of us expected us to be in in that, that very first of four qualifying rounds. And instantly we felt some kind of reputation had been had been restored, that we felt back. Um, and, and it was very exciting. We were talking about the Baku in those days, um, not severe, but as much as we kind of joked about getting to that final, there was only half a joke there. Because I think we'd, we'd seen something already that this wasn't maybe a million miles away. Uh, and, and it would obviously prove to be the case. Uh, Joshua, that consistent, steady, um, you know, group stage, and then two last sixteens. Um, I felt actually last year, as much as that emotional reaction from fifty-five and the you know the champagne soaked dressing room floor and all that, I thought Slavia was a, a bit of a missed opportunity, especially when we had no league to worry about. Uh, that had been parked, had been done. We could really have a go at this. I, I felt ah, we've missed a chance here. Fortunately, we got one this time. Um, Gio comes in with those last two group games and maybe a bit of fortune against Sparta Prague to, to get us through and a bit of dead rubber against Leon. Let's then start on this this knockout journey, drawing against the favourites for the, the, the competition, Borussia Dortmund, of course. Um, I was in Adam. Uh, we were both in um, Dortmund that night. Um, travel arrangements were, were, were quite difficult and um, I didn't have a lot of sleep and at times I had to ask um, colleagues if I was watching what I was watching. What happened in Germany, Josh? 
Well, I think just before that, it's important to look at what went wrong before that, because as you say, for the first three seasons of, of Gerard's Rangers in Europe, um, Rangers are so compact, so hard to beat, but that shape where they could play a relatively high line. And Michael Beale did an excellent coach's voice presentation, which we covered on the Rangers review um, about why that shape was so successful, because it also allowed, as Adam said, the, the attacking players to stay what uh, Beale called in interesting areas. So, so not tracking a fullback nominally means that Ryan Kent can be in a position off the top of my head to you know, drop into the half space, spin the ball around the corner, Porto away in that, that, that goal that Morello scores. And that was that was brilliant. And and but I think what you've seen towards the end of Gerard's tenure was Rangers' um, reputation, or modern reputation in Europe increased. And with that, opponents, you know, when Villarreal played Rangers in that game you referenced, Martin, I'm sure they didn't think Rangers would give them much of a problem. No, that has accelerated for you know three seasons on when Rangers have had a very successful European record, have got results against teams that they're they're not supposed to. Teams start to look more at okay, well, how can we? adapt to the opposition and what you see in that um, the two games for me Malmo and Slavia is both teams effectively completely bypassed the middle of the pitch and I, I feel like I've tweeted out this pass map about a hundred times but if you look at the, the Malmo pass map which is on my Twitter somewhere I'll maybe tweet it out um, when the show goes live their two central midfielders are, are, are playing wide allowing the wing backs to push up they can just create wide overloads they know that regardless of what they do, Rangers are going to stick dogmatically to this protect-the-centre approach. And that's great to protect the centre when opposition, the opposition you know, is trying to attack the centre, but the difficulty came, I think, when the opposition started to realise, right, if we attack from the flanks, if we pull them apart, then we can have some success. And you've seen that against Malmo and Slavia, and that's when Gerard's lack of adaptation for me was harmful. But to get to your point, what happened to Dortmund, um, I, st- I still don't think any of us really know. But I mean... Because so much has to go right for a night like that to occur. But I, th- I think what Van Bronckhorst did was he was brave. You know, you look at Ryan Kent in that game and you remember the chance, uh, Martin and Adam, I think it was when Marco Royce is in the six-yard box and he really should finish, but the ball kind of skips yeah. off his foot or whatever. That whole move happens because the right-back or makeshift right-back in that day, Manuel Akanji, can, can run forward unopposed because Ryan Kent has been brave and tried to cut off the passing lane to the other centre-half. So from his position at left wing, he's jumped up and left his man-free, so to speak, in this man-for-man system that Van Bronckhorst tends to favour. That's brave because it's risky. And it's the same with Leipzig at home. It's risky to go three-on-three three at the back. But I think if, if um, you know, you've got the manager's trust, Bassey spoke about that this week, you've got physicality in your ranks and then and, and then you've got the ability of, of players to do individualistic things like Morelos and, and, and Ken did in, in that occasion then it can kind of create the perfect storm so I think what happened in Dortmund was Rangers were brave they played through the press Dortmund again to go back to their pass network that day they were so narrow they wanted to win the ball and, and create high turnovers to, to use another example look at the third goal on that day and if you watch before Kent does his thing and sets off Lundstrom you see James Tavernier gets the ball, Rangers build, play through the right, he attracts about four Dortmund players who want to try and press, want to try and win the ball back in a high area. But Rangers know that. And in a sense, Dortmund's predictability becomes their undoing in that game. What that means is Rangers can attract them in, attract the bodies, play through it, and open the pitch up on the left side, which they did so successfully. And then you've also got, of course, the luck of, I think Zagadou misses that header early on, which he should, which he should definitely score. I think a mixture of bravery, taking advantage of Dortmund, Dortmund's dogmatism and trying to win the ball through high turnovers and, and create chances that way. 
um, and also with, uh, creating good attacking moments and, and allowing players like Kent to have one of his, his best games in a Rangers shirt. See, just sorry, just before um, you move on, Martin, Joshua just reminded me of something. The Malmo game is a really good example of, I think, where um, Gerard and Beale got outclassed. Um, a little bit outfoxed, maybe is, is maybe a, a nicer term to use. I think we've seen it in the Slavia game, but I don't think it really felt as apparent. I think there was a lot of context around mm-hmm. those games that that had had we been on our A game there, it may have been a, a different story. Um, but Malmo Ibrox is a total outlier for me, and I, I still don't really understand why they why they did it. Um, for me, we got it wrong in, in this game in terms of um, how we. How we played, I guess, but but the team that we played as well. We remember we, we started that that central midfield, um, Davis, Arfield, and Aribo, um, which seems crazy now, um, nearly a, nearly a year on. But we, we did that in a must win Champions League qualifier. Um, I guess yeah, you need to go out and, and win the game. Um, I guess that's fair enough. But I think Gio has proved subsequently that you don't need to go gung-ho from the off and you can instead treat games like a, a marathon and maybe make gradual che- tweaks and changes as you go. And I think that's the big difference from from Gerard that ability yeah. to change things yeah. in-game, but also every other game. Um, yeah. That midfield three, or certainly that makeup of midfield three, we only seen that in domestic games a handful of times and it was against teams that are going to sit in, playing with one single pivot, um, and and two attacking midfielders like that. Um, it didn't really align with Gerard's approach, so that seems like a bit of an outlier. Um, and it obviously wasn't the first time this season that we'd see Arfield and Aribo swamped in a big game um, in central midfield. But Josh's point there as well, luck. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm loath to say Rangers got lucky uh, in the run because we absolutely haven't. But absolutely, there's no doubt that. At key points in these games, you look at some big saves that McGregor's made, uh, some big chances that have been missed, um, some chances that we've got, as you've seen in Dortmund, where you get maybe a little bit fortuitous with with the own goal. Um, for example, things have have fallen. You could argue, as we did earlier in the season, that Gerard got absolutely no luck this year. There were things falling everywhere. Yeah. McGregor, McGregor conceded a, a goal every shot near enough, which. Yeah most people put down to poor performance on his side, but some of that has to be um, a kind of averaging out of things. So there are parts of that there. I don't think it's a silver bullet at all. And as Josh said, we we absolutely deserve it. But um, for me, I think that that sums up the difference between between the two is is Gio's ability to change in-game, whereas Gerard would change players and you'd get something different from a a, a player that, that played. But more often than not, the team, the style, or the formation that started the game would be the one that finished it, regardless of what went on in the game, or regardless yeah. of, as Josh said, the way that Malmo pulled us apart and, and took us out of that midfield and, and basically killed us down the flanks. Yeah. Bravery, flexibility, seem to be the, the, the key words through this knockout phase. I guess none more so than half-time of the second leg against Dortmund when you know Dortmund come back to, to 2-1 on the night. Um, they still needed two goals, but maybe it's just me being pessimistic but I'm not the only one at halftime at Ibrox that night who felt they would get them they, they were just on top class team Belling was starting to, to kind of run the show a wee bit he makes a big change Adam a change that I don't think his predecessor would have made he may have tinkered a wee bit um, it was brave it, 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 it was a significant change in it you know he who dares wins Rodney <laughs> absolutely and do you know what I liked about this as well um, obviously 
it's not a surprise that I'm not a massive fan of three at the back, but um, hopefully I have qualified over the years with in certain situations. Um, these Euro runs, absolutely. I think it's been he's done it flawlessly every single time he's went to three at the back. He's got what he's needed from it, so absolutely on board with it. Especially when you're going to be a team that um, doesn't uh, have as much possession in Europe playing in these kind of games. So you're right. I think that first half. Um, we were fine, I think, but it was trending one way. Absolutely, I think you look at the um, you look at the shot maps and you see just before half time when Dortmund scored their goal, they're they're starting to pull away uh, in terms of the uh, cumulative uh, expected goals. Um, so so we had to do something, and I think that that change is is absolutely inspired. What I like about it though is, remember we're coming into this game with a two goal lead, but by by all rights or by by any measure when you compare the two teams. We should have been sitting at the edge of our box, basically, and, and just trying to kick things away for for ninety minutes. But um, when I asked the manager pre post match, sorry, um, in the press conference, you went three at the back. Was that always the plan to to do it at some point? Why did you not do it at the start when when you had to be quite defensive? And he said, "Well, we're at Ibrox and it's it's Rangers. I, I don't want to be too defensive in in any game." So yeah. That to me shows that that flexibility and the bravery that we speak. We're going to speak about against Leipzig, I guess, as well. Um, we are two goals up. We're playing one of the best teams in Europe, but I'm still not going to sit in. I'm still not going to go three at the back right away. I'll do it on my terms at a time that I think is is right. And he absolutely nailed that at halftime. Um, and we talk about players over formations as well. Going three at the back is is absolutely one thing, but um, the player that you move back into the defence and and who plays so well, I think, is is probably more key than the actual switch. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's having the right people in the right places, isn't it? I do wonder because Ibrox has been the, the 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 source of some of the most special nights I've had watching Rangers over thirty five years. Um, you could probably put all four of these home knockout games in in quite a high bracket. Um, G was also used that, and with that in mind, that that very positive, very aggressive, very attacking um, sense. You have we have to talk about that in the context of the away goals rule being being changed because that was horrendous in the past, especially if you were at home second. Um, in terms of tension and the, the, the game being completely closed down, um, I guess that's freed him up in a way that that, that Gerard never really had a, a, an opportunity to to to, to use um, certainly in later knockout rounds. Um, I'll start with Adam and and and, and Josh. Come in in a minute. The the Red Star game at Ibrox, one of the one of the strangest games I think I've uh, I've seen. It was not a three 0 game. Um, Red Star could count themselves unlucky. However, you know, goalkeepers are there to save penalties. Defenses are there to you know um, deploy an offside trap well, and we did it. But it was it was a kind of strange strange old night that Adam. It was, and it, I guess it's it's everything that we spoke about there. It's it's. Again, you can't say luck because they're doing their job. Nothing was undeserved. Nothing was undeserved. The goals were off. The goals were offside. The penalty was saved. The fantastic saves as well in the game, and we took our chances. Um, you can't say it's luck that that we had a well worked corner routine for for once, and we scored two goals from it. That that isn't that isn't luck. That's that's how teams should work. We just don't, we don't do that often enough. People are surprised when it when it happens. So. No, I thought we were great um, at parts of this game. 
Um, if you remember, uh, I did think we we struggled a little bit at the start, but he moved again. He moved to a back three, but he moved mid half this time. Um, yeah. the first twenty minutes or so, we really struggled. Felt like we were we were too flat. Um, and we we really struggled, but he switched it. Um, which I thought was was really uh, interesting to see. We hadn't seen that before. Um, when he he brought Lundstrom back in in the middle of a game so early in a game as well, and it just gave us that confidence that they weren't a quick team. Um. Yeah, at all, but they were clever and they could pull Goldson and Balogun out, and, and they had a bit of physicality. But just bringing Lundstrom back there as well just negated that. It was essentially a a sweeper role, which which I thought was fantastic, and it obviously has that added impact of of freeing up Bassi and, and Tavernier down down the wings, which I think we seem to to great effect. But yeah, a, a bit of a strange a strange one when you look at the I guess when you look at the shots on on target, they they beat us on unexpected goals, which obviously mm. you include the penalty and uh, that, but. Rangers had 14 shots, uh, Red Star had 15 shots, but Rangers had 8 on target and Red Star only had 4. So um, it, it's maybe not a 3-0 game. I think if you're looking at it and you're being kind on on the balance of play, you'd maybe say 2-1 Rangers, maybe 3-1 yeah. um, at, at a push, but I absolutely take it. Um, and I don't think, especially when you take the, the away leg into account, um, I think uh, overall that was a really... Um, a really professional one probably the most professional if that makes sense over the over the four um just to go there get the job done not get sucked into anything silly any atmospheres away from home etc that one to me felt like a a kind of proper professional european performance yeah that that away like josh it was different uh the, the narrative had been set, you're going to hell, it's going to be noisy, it's going to be an atmosphere. Oh, look, the, you know, the, the, the tunnel is, 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 is all spray-painted. Um, they get a goal early, um, but Rangers did just kind of stand up and eventually got the break, got the chance and, 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 and finished the tie. It was a very different kind of night. Yeah, and I, probably like brag away, that wasn't a great performance. Um, I think the only real time that the team managed to string together any sort of, you know, nice stages of possession was was after the goal, and 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 I definitely think that you can't pretend that you know players are unprofessional for being affected by the Ibrox atmosphere, and then when your own team goes away to what is a, a very noisy stadium, discount that as an element. Of course, it is. You know, anyone that's been inside Ibrox for those four games that you mentioned, Martin, will know. It just does have an impact. You can, you know, Tedesco spoke about it. He was, he said, you know, we will be fine, and 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 my players have dealt with atmospheres like this before. Yet he said he had no no concerns about it whatsoever. And in the press room after that game, he was looked like he'd seen a ghost, and that's what kind of football atmospheres can mm. do in their unique environments. Um, but that was for me a, a big moment for a big player to step up in European competition with Ryan Kent. I know the finish wasn't great, but. To carry his team up the pitch and and um and, and 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 get the goal, but the big point for me, and and this obviously will come to pass in the semi final as well, is the role of Glenn Kamara. For me, without you know, I know Morelos played in that game, but he certainly looked leggy if you remember by that point. Mm-hmm. In the same way that that Glenn Kamara, clever little rotation was used to get Rangers up the pitch in the home leg against Leipzig for the first goal. It was similar in this game where Kamara's off-ball work, I think, in the home leg to kind of disrupt uh, Red Star was was really useful. And you know, to use the other end of the scale, think back to Celtic's equalising goal in the Old Firm and the two-one defeat at the start of April, when 
you know, it wasn't necessarily Aaron Ramsey's fault that Callum McGregor gets through the midfield, but Callum McGregor maybe doesn't make that move if, if a more athletic player is at the number 10 position to, to play that disrupt, disrupting role. But it was another example for, for me of Van Bronckhorst finding solutions, being open to, to changing his squad. When he started at Ibrox, Glenn Kamara was the sole number six. Now to get to the final of the Europa League, Kamara's played as like a, a shadow striker at times. So that was an, another takeaway and another example for me of Van Bronckhorst finding solutions and and being willing to adapt and change. And, and I think Glenn Kamara, that, that flick against um, Red Star for Kent and the flick against Leipzig for Kent, those are two big moments and they're, they're mm. small moments, but you know, it's, it's such fine margins. And I was speaking to someone at, at the club about Kamara and they were saying how good he is at effectively being press resistant, allowing you to almost cheat your way out of situations. And it's all these small margins that I think Van Bronckhorst is, um, is maximised really. And that was such a big goal at such an important point because if a second goal had gone in there, much like, as you say, Martin, with the, the Dortmund um, halftime at Ibrox, you sort of feel like momentum is getting away from you. Yeah. Um, Rangers clawed it back as they have done on, on quite a few occasions. Braga, we, we see the, the the good and the bad, I guess, of this Rangers team, and, and a lot maybe dependent on mood. I, I I would say of these eight knockout games, the 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 game in Portugal was probably our worst performance. I don't think we were particularly good at all. Um, uh, very anemic. Uh, I th- I'm convinced Braga hadn't been told about the way goals been changed I'll be honest they kind of stopped um when when really uh they they, they probably needed to to put us to the sword and I, I think probably could have um and then remember this is just off the back of the the the, the Celtic defeat Ibrox which pretty much finishes the league title there is a regroup there's some goals of Paisley um and Rangers again Adam with this Ultra aggressive, ultra positive mindset at home. Go at Braga from the first bell, and this game could, with you know, Borna Barisic's fingertips away, really from from being absolutely all over it at, at half time. It was an incredible performance, which set fire really to the to, to the stadium, which was already kind of behind the team. I think this changed a lot in terms of that relationship with the support. That setback when really the game should have been out of sight. But an extra time, very quickly, no panic, no big long balls, no um, just desperation. Well worked, cool, calm goal, and and, and you obviously Ruth finished it off very nicely. Um, this changes so much of the season. It it, it it goes into the semi-final on the Sunday, and in a belief that they can still turn things round. These are an important four days, I think, in this this Rangers season. Yeah, I would I would absolutely agree. Um... With that, because if you think um, context, like you mentioned, um, with the the defeat, um, <clears throat> the defeat to Celtic just be just before, wasn't it? Just before the the Braga away yeah. leg, I think everybody's everybody's confidence had been sapped a little bit. I don't think anybody. Um, I think most people thought we should beat Braga, but I think most people probably thought we should have be- beaten Celtic on on that day as well, or, or we should be beating Celtic. So, um, I think it is fair to say. Um, things were at a low and, and I think that transferred onto the pitch absolutely I'm not saying it was the fans were fantastic on the day but I just think the players maybe came into this one in a bit of a a bit of a lull um, we weren't great uh, and you're right Braga just seemed to stop they had us on the ropes a little bit maybe not anywhere near um, what you would what you would think and probably not anywhere near what 
Dortmund, Red Star and, yeah, and Leipzig yeah. have done at points, but there were a few points in that first half. I think they had their, their goal chopped off, didn't they, just before yeah, they yeah. scored as well. There were a few points in that first half where um, we thought, OK, this this could be a wee bit dicey because, as you said, this was our this was our worst. I'd maybe go as far as saying this was, was the worst in, in the Europa League proper. Um, Leon at home, maybe. Um, or Sparta, sorry. Um, away, in, away in Prague, I would say, was, was bad. But it certainly was up there. Um, but yeah, something something seemed to to happen. Um, the Glenn Kamara point that, that was made, I think, again, just is, is a, a bit of a touchstone in in the flexibility piece. Um, because if you think what we what we knew of Glenn Kamara um, before, um, and I guess you think what the the journey he went under under Van Bronckhorst even uh, as well. But we we knew of Glenn Kamara that. He couldn't really play as a number six under Gerard. He made too many mistakes. He was too slack on the ball. Um, and then he found his, his role as that kind of left-sided number eight, um, if you like, kind of gluing that left-hand side together with, with Barisic and, and Kent. Um, when when Gio came in, he was moved to number six. I had my doubts about it. Um, I didn't think it was something that he, he should do particularly not with with any backup uh, as we said when when Gio came in we thought uh, he's going to play a six he's going to play an eight he's going to play a ten uh, as he did um, in that uh, first game against his first game against Sparta Prague um, Kamara didn't play well uh, I don't think certainly after Christmas um, the 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 low point being that old firm defeat uh, at Parkhead where again we went in with. A single number six and Aribo and Arfield uh, as number eights. He didn't play well at all, and when he's in those kind of moments and he doesn't play well, he's not one that really tends to be able to play himself out of it. Um, so for him to come back in um, and start playing in in what was essentially a number ten position, I think is is again testament to to Van Bronckhorst and that repurposing of players that we've seen four or five times with four or five different players. Um, so far, that repurposing to get him into the team, but also to give him that confidence to go and play that role because he is not and never will be someone who's uh, got a killer, even eye for a pass, never mind for, for a goal. But to see him come in in those games and, and do that job um, in those away leg uh, against Braga, I thought was was really, really good. And obviously we would go on and, and utilise it um, later on as well. But yeah, just to go back to your, your original point, that home leg against Braga um, was the one where you think, Jesus, we are rampaging through this team. Dortmund away was a surprise. Belgrade at home probably wasn't a surprise. It was maybe a surprise to go up so so early, but we were we were good and, and we were a match for, for the team. Braga, I just felt with everything that had happened before, for us to come out and play in that way, for Kamar Roof to come in and, and play the way he did, um, and that again, that interchange between Roof and Ramsey, where they basically went man for man against Braga and said, "Okay, we're going to come and we're going to run you, we're going to yeah. split you, we're going to get Bassi playing long balls over," as we've seen for for one of the goals. Um, they played a really, really key role in that, and again, we've not seen that since. We've not seen that basically strike partnership, if you like, with yeah. with two players who probably shouldn't really work in a strike partnership, but just yeah. that working in tam- tandem um, to kind of pull a team apart. Uh, at the seams, I thought was fantastic, and you're right. That's that's the moment I think where fans and team got into a kind of synchronicity, um, and we were able to say, like on our day at, at the stadium, we can put three goals past pretty much anybody just now. Josh, I mean that this is a tactic show. It, it is more abstract by definition, 
But the the, the Braga ties, I think, one of the most emotional Rangers performances to me, anyway. The the, the first one being so downbeat following the Celtic game, and and the, the second one just being so full of passion and aggression and and and, and really having a go. And it's funny how fancy Europe. Um, you were still getting on Twitter, you know, the manager needs to go in the summer, you know, the, the league's been lost, yep, Europe, whatever, it's, it's a bobble, it's a bonus, until you get to the semi-final. And it was the same in 08. And when you get through the quarter-final and it, you, all of a sudden you can see it, things change. And you say, we, we could do this here. And the dream starts to become reality. It was, it, I do think it was a pivotal night that night. Yeah, and I think the, the other reason it was a pivotal night for me, Martin, was that, as I kind of touched upon briefly, and I, and, and I remember tweeting this at the time because I thought this was quite a big deal, not only did Rangers recover in-game, and you think back to the Malmo game and League Cup final in 2019, I don't think this team had developed into a team that could could do that. There was certainly that repetitive, you have to go back to the, the old firm defeat at the start of April. What did Rangers do in that second half? Cross the ball. I think it was yeah. almost 40 crosses, 39 crosses, I think, by, by full time. Because, and that's twofold for me. One, there's not enough solutions to, to um, when they go behind in a situation like that. But equally, they probably don't have the confidence or that the mental scar tissue is, 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 is so strong that they don't have the confidence to try those little passes. It's just about trying to get it in, really trying to force it. And Van Bronckhorst said, I was trying to find the quotes. I've not got them in front of me, but... He said something along the lines after that Braga game, and it was the same in the, the semi-final uh, four days later, about working on situations when they're in. And, and effectively what I think he meant by that, because he referenced the Celtic game beforehand, when they get the ball out wide, Rangers trying to work in those situations, trying to work in those areas, little rotations, little passes, little sequences, instead of just getting the ball. And if you if you think back to the start of that Kimar Roof move, what happens? James Tavernier is in a position where you'd expect him to launch the ball into the box, as he had done in that Celtic game a few days earlier. But what does he do? Reverses the ball nicely round the side. There's Glenn Kamara to play it into Rebo, who makes a nice bit of movement. For me, that goal, I don't know if that happens unless there's a managerial change. because I, not. And again, that's not to discredit Gerrard. I think the scar tissue was was so strong from games that they needed to be a clean slate to kind of break that and for something new to come into play. And again, you look at it, the cup semi-final a few days later, I know this is about Europe, but I think it's it's relevant. Goldson playing that ball out to Tavernier and Tavernier playing that quite risky pass into into Tavernier, sorry, Arfield or or Ruth. I think that was so significant for this squad. And and then you obviously look at how they recovered against Leipzig um, a couple of weeks ago. They didn't do that before, and that was a mental issue, yes, but it was also a mental issue which which I think fed into their play. It led them to force the issue. It meant they didn't have the solutions. And I think that's why that Braga game was was so emotionally charged, because if Rangers had lost that game, their expected goals was almost six. It was ridiculous. You know, It would have been almost unforgivable to, to give up that mm-hmm. position. And I think when that goal goes in, you've got so many factors coming into it. You've got Rangers event, finally recovering in game you've got the recovery of the semi-final situation, but you've also got the kind of fulfilment of what, what should be happening based on the chances, based on the numbers for that game. So completely agree with you, very emotionally charged. And and I think a real example, again, of how the manager has evolved this team to allow them to make a recovery in-game, both mentally and tactically. 
I'll stick with you, Josh. I know Leipzig's been not done to death, but it's very fresh, obviously. Um, someone my age who had, had, had gone through a lot of European humiliation was desperate for Rangers to to be a lot better, consistently a lot better. The the two legs, actually, against Leipzig were, were, were all I've ever wanted to see from a Rangers team in that sense. Um, a clear plan, a plan that made sense, the courage to do it, the courage to, to change things, um, to, to adapt to a game, to take their chances when, when they happened, to go when it was suitable to go and not just go hell for leather right from the off and leave yourself widely exposed. Um, it, it was it was thing it's what I've been waiting for for thirty five years. Uh, I'm conscious of time. Your your brief assessment of that that glorious night, but, but the two legs as a, as a whole, because we nearly got through the first leg. Job done. Yeah, first leg. I think um, you know. I know um, David Edgar spoke a lot about this. The quiet confidence he kind of felt from the management and and, and team after the one goal defeat because they were still in it. You just had to get a result over there that kept the tie alive. And I think the, you know, I, I was, I was at the game and although Leipzig didn't threaten much, I think that was very owing to the, the activity of that back three, who I think were just hardly put a foot wrong all game. Um, and were absolutely excellent in nullifying Leipzig. And then the home game, again, another example of Van Bronckhorst finding solutions, no mm. recognised striker. You see that little rotation for the first goal um, with Glenn Kamara going up. He has the ability to play with his back to goal. That allowed Rangers to play over the press. Again, if you look at the Leipzig pressure map, which is on our website, Leipzig couldn't press Rangers at all in that in that game yeah. because Rangers didn't let them. They played over the top of them. and it's, it's not always the prettiest thing, but it's effective. Van Bronckhorst is working with what, he got, what he's got. And um, I, I, I thought it was a really effective way of playing over the top of Leipzig, taking, taking them out and also being brave when the ball turned over, going for man for man which facilitated Rangers to have enough bodies up the pitch to go and score that second goal. And um, and the third goal, obviously, is is fortune. But I think fortune they probably deserved over the two legs. So again, uh, keeping the tie alive, the plan working really well and the players carrying it out superbly for me, Martin. Question for you each quickly. Adam, when the manager arrived, remember speaking to people from Rangers, what's he like? What, what are these thoughts on playing staff? And quite a few were saying... He fancies John Lundstrom in a back three, by the way. So, oh, come on, surely not. Uh, he's been the key man in this. No, he has. Yeah, he absolutely has. Um, and again, it's that bravery uh, and flexibility that we spoke about. It, it's, it was a, Leipzig was a textbook. If, if you were to sit someone down and say, how, how do you want um, a European away semi-final and a European home semi-final to go? And you'd say, well, yeah. I want to be really tight away from home. Don't want to give up any chances. I'll be happy to go out with a 1-0. Uh, defeat and maybe in years gone past and maybe even with Gerard if we'd got if we'd left a, a knockout round by a 1-0 defeat we'd have maybe not been too confident of coming back and, and making a game of it in the uh, in the return leg but certainly before that we'd think oh we're going to get picked off in the break um, that's absolutely going to happen if we open up this is going to happen McLeish for example if we open up and try and attack somebody they're, they're going to pick us off in the break and, and they would more often than not um, but that, that bravery um, that Josh mentioned to go man for man and again we come back to it Bassey and Lundstrom for me are, are the, the key points uh, in this whole knockout run playing them in defence it's not a three at the back it's it's a, a one at the back at some points with, with Goldson and, and those two going forward the three of them their use of the ball is great Bassey's can be a little bit erratic with those long balls but they absolutely work we've seen that against Braga the, the one that he played over the top uh, and Josh is spot on you go three at the back and you go man for man 
each of them are very physical and can more than handle themselves one on one with with any forward that, that's there. They've all got uh, a decent touch of pace, Bassi more than than the other two, but they've got that physicality. They've got the anticipation. They can read the game and they can use the ball well. So. In that sense, it's not really a three at the back. It can be whatever you want it to be. And and we outfoxed Leipzig with that because they probably thought we were going to come and sit in and try and sneak something on the break. But those those kind of mid-range long passes that, that we used to get over the top of them, just they were floundering um, for, for that period in, in the first half where we again took our moments um, and we managed to get our, ourselves in front. Um, and other than that period that we mentioned after, after half-time, um, or sorry, kind of mid-second half where, where they controlled the game and, and they got that goal um, I thought we were absolutely dominant and, and Lundstrom is he's the poster boy of it I think he's the poster boy of, of Van Bronckhorst's flexibility um, he probably sums things up because if you look at Van Bronckhorst and you look at his approach certainly with with the, the attacking side of it or even with the midfield as well he came in and he tried something with the, the sole number six it didn't quite work so he said okay fair enough I'm, I'm not I've not got that much of an ego that I'm going to persevere with it I'll be a little bit safer I'll play Jack and Lundstrom as my two and I'll go with four attackers he, he was playing wingers um, when he came in he started Hadji out there I guess uh, as a kind of winger which didn't work he then moved to maybe Wright and Sakala and Diallo at points uh, as the winger then that wasn't really working so he thought fair enough I'll change it again I'll, I'll bring Arfield in on the right or maybe move Aribo to the right um, and starting to get a little bit of joy as we went into the knockout stages and then we've seen he's changed it back again and, and he's got right right playing on, on the right or maybe Diallo coming back in Sakala playing again on the wings he's just not afraid if something doesn't happen in a game he doesn't just persevere with it for for the sake of it but he'll also isn't afraid to go back to it uh, and I think that probably neatly ties in with with Lindstrom's season as well um he's had ups and downs um but since basically the Hearts game after after Celtic at the, the the start of February he's come in and he's been an absolute colossus he's not put a foot wrong he's played probably four different positions um and he's certainly been been the man of 22 so far Joshua very quickly what's going to happen on Wednesday it's hard to say. I don't know. I have this nagging thought that um, whoever has less of the ball might win the game, which I don't like. Um, but I think that I'll give you one little stat that I think could be key, uh, Martin. Leipzig, uh, sorry, not Leipzig, we've beaten them. Frankfurt, um, very, obviously, we know very um, dependent on their counter-attacking numbers. And I've not got the numbers right in front of me, um, but they'll be on the, the website, the Rangers Review website. And Wednesday, a real breakdown of this. Effectively, they're very strong at counter-attacks, but Rangers are actually quite good at stopping them, and that's a lot to do with, I think, Barisic arriving instead of occupying the final third, Ryan Jack covering James Tavernier. I think Frankfurt might be a little bit more dependent on attacking into space and transition than Rangers. Um, hopefully, Van Bronco's solutions, which have carried Rangers this far, will um, will come to fruition, and, and I'd start the same team that, that started against Leipzig in the home leg. That seems sensible to me. Thank you, guys. Um... I mean, if, if you needed to feel more excited about Wednesday, I'm sure that's got you there. But um, yeah, uh, let's hope that we can debrief after uh, this and make sense of what could be um, the greatest night in the history of the club. Thank you, Joshua. Thanks very much, guys. Look forward to seeing you in, in Spain and hopefully lots of uh, listeners as well. Hope that everyone has a fantastic uh, little holiday. And Adam. Yeah, likewise, um, we'll be over there maybe this lunchtime uh, tomorrow myself and, and David and Cami will, will be present so if anyone is about come and come and have a chat with us um, and yes obviously I hope to, to see you boys ASAP when we get there too 
David famously loves to speak to strangers in public. Thank you for listening. All the best. And we'll speak to you on the other side. Bye for now. Underneath the Glasgow lights The narrow streets are blue and white They lead me to a place where I belong And walking there I hear a sound Of all the people loud and proud Their voices come together in a song No matter what may come We'll always follow on We'll always follow on We've had our darkest days Now it's our time again The writing's on the wall now you got giants at your feet You hear the call of history You gave us something to believe We follow you, so make us dream Now make us dream Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.